athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked in to the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Listen, as you know by now, Tennessee State has hired Eddie George as its new head football coach. You know, my question is, my the question that I have is what now happens with HBCU coaches? What now happens with HBCU coaches? In other words, if you go back, right, the only HBCU grad to ever coach at the FBS, or as we called it at that time, the 1A level, was Willie Jeffries. He's the only one to have done that. That's an HBCU alum or an HBCU grad. So, look, it's not like HBCU alums, for that matter, a lot of football coaches that are black are getting the opportunities at FBS programs, more specifically at Power 5 programs, and then even more specifically when you're looking at the jobs of like not only head coach, but also as an offensive and defensive coordinator as you continue to move up the latter, maybe to the professional ranks, you need to be in those positions at the very least. Defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, power five. Certainly, you look at it from a perspective of a head coach at a power five conference or a power five school. We've seen and we've we we continue to see we don't we haven't seen it in a couple of years. But, you know, you look at a Matt Rule, Matt Rule's at Baylor. Now he's the head coach with the Panthers. You know, you, you look at some of these coaches that were head coaches at FBS programs that are now head coaches uh, in the National Football League. That's sort of can be the trajectory, if especially if you don't, if you're hot, especially if you're hot uh, in college football and you don't have that NFL experience. That's how you get to that point. So now you look at an Eddie George, great for Tennessee State. You look at a Deion Sanders, great for Jackson State. I think when you look at these two hires, you're talking about two hires. You're talking about uh, Eddie George with no previous coaching experience. You're talking about Deion Sanders with no previous experience as a head coach or as a collegiate coach. Um, Great for the respective programs. It brings a lot of energy. No question about it. Uh, it uh, It brings revenue. It brings publicity. It is a great thing in that manner. And then ultimately we'll see what happens from a wins and loss standpoint. I think it's really good for Tennessee State because you look at Eddie George, had phenomenal seasons with the Tennessee Titans. He's ingrained in that Nashville community. It's a great hire. Alums get more uh, re-energized. Right now you're getting money. Right. You're getting you're getting money. Now you have national interest because Eddie George was a great player. 
money starts to kind of come into the, or will at least come into the Tennessee state program. But again, what happens to this is this is supposed to be a, a an, an opportunity for coaches that have played at HBCUs and even not not just at HBCUs, but, you know, coaches that have also had previous coaching experience to now have this opportunity because we're not getting those opportunities at the FBS level. We're not getting those opportunities at the FBS level. So now you're going to start to take those jobs away from those prospective coaches at the HBCU level, coaches in general, specifically uh, coaches that are HBCU alums. So what happens to those coaches? Is this a trend? Will we see this continue to happen? Deion Sanders said on the SWAT call this week that he knows that Ed Reed and Ray Lewis have interest. He, well, he said not only did he say he had they had interest in coaching, I believe, and I'm not mistaken, he said they had interest in coaching at HBCUs, right? So, you know, again, no real previous coaching experience. If that ha- Is this a trend, A? B, what happens to those coaches that these are the only opportunities that those coaches or the very limited opportunities that those coaches have to be head coaches uh, on the collegiate level and then, again, begin to make that rise. It start You start generally, you pl- you're playing, you, you play. Maybe if you're fortunate enough to play in the National Football League or play some kind of professional ball after that, or or maybe you're not. Let's just say you want to be a coach. So what happens after that? You graduate, you become a GA or a graduate assistant. Uh, assistant from the, And generally, it's going to be, a lot of times, it may, it may be at the school you were at. Then it goes from there. Then maybe you become a position coach. Then maybe you become a coordinator. Then maybe you become the head coach. Then maybe you get that opportunity on the FBS level as because we haven't seen where that opportunity for HBCU alums has been granted other than Willie Jeffries ever, which is a crying shame in of itself. Don't really have time to talk about that uh, on this program now. Uh, but again, maybe you're like a, you know, may, maybe you're fortunate like a Jerry Mack, right? Jerry Mack's a Jackson State alum, right? He didn't graduate from Jackson State, but he went to Jackson State for a couple of years, played football. Now he's the running backs coach at the University of Tennessee. I don't know if there's anyone that's a, there may be, that's an HBCU alum that is at a, a an FBS program, and but really more specifically at a Power 5 program as an assistant coach. That's how it goes till you get to maybe the National Football League or wherever you want to get. Maybe you don't want, maybe that's not what you want to do. Maybe you just want to be a college coach. Maybe you want to be a college coach at the highest level as a head coach. Those opportunities are not coming to HBO. They're not coming to black coaches, first of all. And then even more specifically, they're not coming to HBCU alums. So your thoughts on that, you can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRo, B-O-X-T-O, R-O-W or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Got a great show lined up for you today here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The National Football League draft is now 
13 days away. And as we do each and every year, you know, I got to share this, especially for our, for you listening uh, on ESPNU Radio and Sirius XM. So we started talking with some of the top HBCU players that had an opportunity to be drafted going back to 2006, our first year on the air, 2005, our first NFL draft, if you will, 2006. So on that show, we talked with Antoine Bethay out of Howard, ultimately went on to be a sixth-round draft pick. Now, Antoine played in the league. I, I mean, as a matter of fact, 2000, this past season, 2020, was the first year that he hadn't played in the league, and I think he ultimately did retire. He was looking to hopefully catch on with the team last year. It didn't happen. He may have now retired, but he played. So what's that from 2006 to 2019? What's that, 14 seasons? He missed the season or missed most of a season because of an injury, but started pretty much every game he played. And as a matter of fact, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I had him as one of uh, when USA Today asked me to rank the top 100 National Football League players that played at HBCUs. I had Antoine Bethay uh, in on the list. So on that day we had, and that was April, uh, uh, I think it was April, the draft, oh boy, the draft has changed so many times, whatever it was, 2006, Antoine Bethay was on that program. Tavares Jackson, rest in peace to Tavares Jackson. Remember that year Minnesota moved up in the second round to draft Tavares Jackson out of Alabama State. And then we also had Jason Hatcher, who had a nice career. He was a third-round draft pick by the Cowboys that year. He ultimately went on to have a very solid career with both the Dallas Cowboys and the then-Washington Redskins, now known as the Washington football team. So we've been doing this for quite some time. I mean, I'm just trying to think over the years. I mean, it seemed like we had Jacoby Jones, who had a nice career, uh, particularly as a punt returner. Remember that Super Bowl with uh, that the Ravens won? He opened the second half uh, with that kickoff return for the touchdown. He probably should have been or could have been the MVP. Ultimately, Joe Flacco was the MVP in that game. So we've had the likes of a Jacoby Jones. You know, we've had Tariq Cohen. We've had Darius Leonard. We've had Javon Hargrave. All of those guys really getting it done right now in the National Football League. Some of the guys I mentioned able to get it done while in the National Football League. So we bring to you the players of the future weeks prior to the National Football League draft and have done since 2006. So today, you're going to hear from Jimmy Robinson of Bethune-Cookman. He participated. So Jimmy Robinson last played in 2019 was eligible for the draft in 2020, didn't get a chance to, obviously, last year work out. Uh, he's a guy that at the HBCU Combine uh, last week ran a 4-2-8 at the Combine. So he's got a lot of interest. He's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today on the program, big-time football game. It's been a long time since Arkansas Pine Bluff has played in a meaningful game and the Golden Lions will host Prairie View A&M on tomorrow. If the Golden Lions win, UAPB wraps up the SWAC's Western Division. Doc Gamble in his first season as the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Going to join us on the program. Of course, I'm going to preview 
the games of the week, Pine Bluff, Prairie View A&M, and also Alabama A&M and Alabama State. That game is going to be played in Birmingham. And I'm going to preview both of those games a little bit later on in the program. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to be joined by Arkansas Pine Bluff head football coach, Doc Gamble. You've got it locked to ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork. You know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. That's 800-659-7980. Missed any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row podcast at BoxToRow.com or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his first season as the head football coach at Arkansas Palm Bluff. He is not new to the program and Arkansas Pine Bluff right now in a position that Arkansas Pine Bluff hasn't been in in quite some time the opportunity to win the SWAC's Western Division crown and an opportunity to play in the SWAC championship game on May 1st again Doc Campbell Gamble first season as the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff joins us here on from the press box to press row coach Gamble welcome to the program uh, thank you, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. I think this is the first time you're on this program. I know we did the podcast uh, back in February, so we really appreciate the time right. knowing you got to prepare for a big-time football game against Prairie View A&M with everything on the line. Your thoughts, 3-0 and on the season. You're ranked number two in both the Box to Row coach, or the, I should say, HBCU football coaches and media polls. Your thoughts on the 3-0 and season to this point? Well, right now we're trying to get to 4-0. That's my thoughts, you know. So um, what's been done in the past is in the past now we're we're uh, trying and we're working uh, and preparing, preparing um, uh, for Prairie View coming in here. And so that's been our only focus right now. So uh, yeah, we're 3-0. Uh, we're happy about it, but, um, you know, we're trying to get to 4-0. Talk about eking out the victory going back a couple of weeks ago against Mississippi Valley State. Everybody says that Mississippi Valley State is an improved team. I think they, in fact, are and they sort of sort of showed it because you know you're sort of in the in the driver's seat if you will having beat southern and you had to get a punt return inside of two minutes for a touchdown to to be able to get that victory 
Yep, uh, Mississippi Valley. Even though the, the record doesn't say it, but uh, they're a good football team and they got some good players. They just uh, uh, we were able to go up there to a tough place to play. In my opinion, it's the, the toughest place in the SWAC to go play. Um, and uh, it was, you know, it's, that's just been the history of it. And playing those guys is uh, they're going to play you tough and they're going to play you to the end. And then, you know, and, and then they took it on the road and played, played Alabama State tough until the end. You know, it was just a call or two that uh, could have went that should have could have went went their way would have been uh, the difference in the game. And I, I believe the calls that they didn't get was the difference in the game. So, very improved program. You know, I mean, very improved team. And you know, and and, and we are as well. So. Uh, it was a good matchup uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they played. They they played really hard, and and um, but we were able to. We made one more play that uh, one more play than they did, and, and that gave us a chance to uh, to be three and zero. Tyron Ralph, the seventy-seven yard punt return for the touchdown was the difference. Going back to two thousand nineteen, he was a box to row All American, but not only that. He gets that punt return for a touchdown. He has four receptions for you in the ball game. He does a, a phenomenal job on the kick. Uh, kickoff returns as well you know speak to that play specifically the 77 yard punt return for a touchdown but then his play overall in that football game well Tyron he's a dynamic player um, and he has some uh, electricity about him you know so um, but you you see his work ethic every day and you knew at some point you know each week that he he's going to be he's work he works hard to try to be the best player on the, on on the field each time he goes out there so uh you know he gets a lot of targets either in in the uh in the passing game as well as uh you know people don't realize you get a lot of targets uh, when you're a returner meaning you know they're going to kick the ball to you uh he's a punt returner and a kick returner for us. so yeah, he he's uh he has the opportunity to touch the ball a whole lot uh throughout the throughout a football game. But he he's an electric guy. And um the other thing too is you know, we give out uh, you know, recognition each week about it, but we we uh, he's a humble guy and we want to make sure that, you know, the guys that are blocking for him are, are getting recognition as well. And we recognize those guys. And I was just telling somebody earlier that, you know, uh yeah, he's dynamic and, and he's a playmaker, but, you know, He's a like dude, and those guys really block hard for him because they like him a whole lot. You know, he, he's, he's definitely a, a very likable guy, and and uh, the guys really they they really take to him, and and uh, he he gives it, and, and he leads by example. He's not a very vocal guy, um, and he'll speak when he needs to speak, but um, he leads by example, and it's just his work ethic is is uh, what helps him, you know, as a player on game day. Doc Gamble, in his first season as the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Big-time football game for Arkansas Pine Bluff against Prairie View A&M. A win, and it means the Golden Lions are Western Division champs. Skyler Perry, he, you go back to 2019, had to split some time at quarterback. Now he's the guy, and eight touchdowns to two interceptions on the season, averaging 268 yards passing Per game, your thoughts on the way he's played so far this season? He's tough as nails, you know. And Skyler, he's, he's a tough guy. Uh, he's our leader, um, and I believe too that we didn't get off into a great rhythm uh, against Valley because he he got dinged up, but he stayed in the game. He came back in and and um, and finished out the game, you know. And he just managed the game. Um, very football. He has a, a high football IQ. Uh, and that's just coming from his upbringing and uh, coming from a, a really strong uh, high school out of New Orleans and Edna Carr High School, which played great football. He was a state championship quarterback. Um, 
uh, coming out of high school, you know, he's a guy that I've I'd already knew about and was able to recruit him here and, and get him on board with us. And uh, he had to, you know, he went through some growing pains as a true freshman. Uh, he was thrust into action due, some, due, due to another quarterback getting injured. And then last year you could see him still growing. And then it became a, a uh, he wasn't he didn't want to relinquish the job altogether, you know. So it was a dog fight. So we had to play two quarterbacks. And, and then this year he just took the bulls by the horns and and said, hey, this is mine, and, and um, I'm not gonna let it go. So, uh, and believe it or not, too, is, is I believe his uh, his best football is still ahead of him, you know. So uh, he he has a chance to to, to continue on and, and playing past. Uh, uh, the college level, so uh, we're really excited about Skyler. And then he's a people person, you know. So um, yeah, the guys graduate, gravitate to him, and and uh, um, you know, it just he's a he's a he's a per- people magnet, and and um, he does well in the position that he's in. Yeah, and then it helps. He's got we already mentioned Tyron Ralph. He's got Josh Josh Wilkes and Harry Ballard the third to throw the football to. Man, that's that's a that's a pretty good uh, a triple. A threat right there for him to throw the football to. Well, we got a good crew, and it's a, it's quadruple. You know, it's uh, you get you have uh, Josh Wilkes, Harry Ballard, Tyron Ralph, and Dewan Miller. You know, so uh, those four guys. And, and I'm sorry, and then you got a fifth one in the tight end, Jeremy Brown. So he has some targets. He has some guys, and that's what we tell him: you don't have to win the game. We got enough guys around him um, that we that we can get the ball to. You know, and those guys are explosive guys, um, and, they, and they play really well together. And they're unselfish. You know, it, one of the biggest worry when you have a lot a talented skill group, you worry about if if guys going to complain about not getting enough touches. Uh, so, um, but there's no complaints with those guys. Those guys work hard and work well together, and, and they push one uh, one another, and and. Uh, you know, so uh, and, the, and the ball gets spread around pretty good. Dot Campbell, again, the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff, joins us here on the program. The defense, talk about them. But, you know, seemed like on the podcast, I remember you, uh, I believe it was Jalen Thigpen that you mentioned. And, boy, I mean, he's really stepped up. A couple of interceptions uh, for you all. He's got a couple of pass breakups. He's forced to fumble this year. He's he's playing well, but the defense. Uh, but, but speak to how the defense is playing as a whole. They're playing great as a whole, you know. And I, we put it on them, you know. In this day and age, of when people are putting up a lot of points, I, I still tell them we were. And I guess I'm old school in speaking this way, but I believe you win with defense. And even though I'm an offensive guy, you know, I tell those guys all the time we need to be able to beat somebody two to nothing, and um, and they believe that as well. So. And we tell them, you know, we expect them to take the ball away and expect them to score, and whatever they score, we're going to add to it uh, on offense and, and in special teams. But uh, we have some good players over there, you know, and, and uh, we got a good uh, defensive staff, you know, led by John Bradley as uh, our defensive coordinator for him, NFL guy, played in Arkansas State, uh, as well with Jackie Cooper, corners coach, uh, Josh Jones, safeties coach, and Deion Roberson, uh, our linebackers coach. And we got a really good up-and-coming graduate assistant in, in Quinn Smith. Those guys uh, – they go to the lab and put together, been putting together some really good game plans, and I might chime in from time to time, and they, they get a little upset at me. But you know, I say I guess I'm flexing a little bit being a head coach, but uh, but they're they're uh, very receptive to ideas, and, and uh, but it's really I've hadn't hadn't had to say anything. It's a certain style of play that I that I wanted to see that we had to change, I, I believe, in order for us to to be great, and they've adapted that, and and uh, and uh, they make it do what it do. Yeah. It's big time football. It's been a while since there's been a big time football game for Arkansas Pine Bluff, and even more specifically, a big time football game at home. Prairie View A&M comes in. The Panthers are undefeated as well. 
what are some of the what are some of the things maybe that concern you about Prairie View and M? Well, they're a good football team, you know, and, and they got a good coaching staff. And and I told I told the guys, you know, really the success uh, left when those guys left. You know, uh, Dooley was was the offense coordinator here when uh, uh, when he, we when we won it here in 2012, and uh, the defense coordinator he was here as well, Henry Miller. Uh, so those guys know the lay of the land here, you know. So this this is not an environment that they're coming to that they're they're not they're not unaware of, you know. So uh, and they got those guys playing well as well, uh, playing hard and, and uh, they can run fast. They'll hit you. They're sound, you know. I've been straining to try to find a weakness. I usually can find a weakness in each team each week right away, but it's been hard to do. Um, but that's a testament to their coaching staff and, and the players that they have. They got some really good players. You know, um, they had the defensive lineman, Jason Dumas, who I recruited, and he was committed to us at my previous school. And, and then um, when the coaching change was made, he made his way over to Prairie View. And uh, he's been nothing but a, uh, a thorn in everybody's side since he's gotten into the conference. Uh, the quarterbacks, I mean, I believe they have about four or five guys that, uh, you know, I personally recruited. And, you know, they're from uh, the New Orleans area down there. So, uh, they got very good players, and and they're playing really well together. And um, you know, right now their their defense is is doing everything they can to to make sure their offense have a chance to to win a football game for them. So uh, we we'll have a work cut out for us. But we're looking forward to the challenge. Absolutely, Doc Gamble, first season head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, big time football game for the Golden Lions at home on Saturday against Prairie View A and M. Coach Gamble, really appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Golden Lions. All right, thanks a lot, and thanks for having us. Big, big, big opportunity for Arkansas Pine Bluff, and I'm going to talk more about the opportunity against Prairie View A&M and break that game down a little bit later on in the program. As mentioned, the National Football League draft, 13 days away now, and up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to talk to a young man who looks to hear his name called in the National Football League draft, Jimmy Robinson of Bethune-Cookman. Now back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Let's continue some National Football League draft talk here on From the Press Box to Press Row talking with some of the prospects that may hear their name called in the National Football League draft. And this young man was on the show before. As a matter of fact, coming into the 2019 season, he was one of the box-to-row players to watch. Jimmy Robinson, he is, I call him Slash, wide receiver, running back, kick returner, punt returner. If my memory serves me correctly, I think even in the 2018 season, he may have thrown a pass or two and, of course, he is from Palm Coast, Florida. Jimmy Robinson joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Jimmy? Hey, how's it going? Doing well, man. Thanks for one, uh, once again uh, for joining us. I just want to kind of – let me start here. Like, you were part of that HBCU combine uh, this, this uh, you know, just uh, just a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. Ran a 4-2-8 in the 40, a phenomenal time. You know, talk about that, being able to run, really open some eyes to some of the scouts running that kind of time. Um, it, it, it was really a blessing. Uh, uh, since this COVID thing been going on, I've been just training. It's been been grinding each and every day, just taking it day by day. So 
when I got the opportunity, when I got the call to be a, a, a part of the HBCU combine, I, I pushed myself even harder, and, and I, I gave myself a, a goal, something I wanted to reach, and that was to run a 428, because when I ran the 428 for our virtual pro day, no one really believed. Everyone thought, oh, it might be a couple yards shorter. So just to be get, get in front of those people and get it filmed and recorded, it was, it was really good. Yeah, man, it really, really, really was. I mean, to be able to do it, like you said, so you did it the first time and you did it once, to be able to do it twice. I mean, just talk about the preparation for that. I th- I mean, to your point, I think maybe part of what you're saying is I needed to show what I could do, maybe not the best 2019 for, in, in terms of the numbers, maybe not what you had anticipated, and we'll talk more uh, about that, but – you know, you really, I, I, I would think, had something to show and prove. Yeah, um, it was, it was more of that. I had, I had a chip on my shoulder. To be honest, it was that I, because with virtual pro day, I felt like I kind of we, like not only myself, but a lot of those guys that attended the HBCU combine that we, we got looked over. Um, and just being able to go out to the HBCU combine and and give our numbers and show that our numbers match up just as well as the guys that play at the bigger school. So it was really good. Did you find that you had a lot more people talking to you after you ran that four to eight? <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was kind of crazy because I, like I told my teammates that was there, uh, Kevius and uh, Trevor, we was going through after we ran forties first, and like I ran I ran my first one. I, I kind of felt it was it was okay. The first one I ran a four three two, and then I came back and then I ran a four two eight. But I didn't know the time. I just everyone just started. They were just looking at me crazy. Like I'm like okay, what's going on? Like. <laughs> I didn't know. So then we went to the next next drill, and they were like, oh, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do everything. Like, they just kept asking me, are you going to do this? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then I, I took a break. I, I went to go um, – I think I went to go get a drink out of my bag. And I'm like, I just – my phone had lit up. It kept vibrating and vibrating. And I looked. It was like, Jimmy Robinson, 428. And I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> 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 that explains why everybody just kept looking at me like that when I was walking around. <laughs> that is that is a great story. That is so funny because you're there, right? Like you're there. You don't even you don't even know what's going on. Somebody has to tell you what's going on at the event you're at. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know our times, and they had told us it was like just just do your drill and move on to the next. So we wasn't asking for our times or anything. So we didn't know anything. We just was going to the next drill to the next drill. I guess they were asking you were you going to run it because I guess they were thinking you don't have to run. I mean, if you run a four two eight, you don't have to do the other drills, right? Is that is that how that works? I think so because you know, prime time did that. He ran and he just got up out of there when he did his. Yeah, that is awesome. Jimmy Robinson joins us here on from the press box to press row, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. I call him Slash. He is from. Bethune Cookman, you know, man. I mean, we had you. You you did everything for this team in 2018 and throughout the course of your career. Like you, you guys have been. Meaning Bethune Cookman have been very consistent, very solid. May you know you share it. There was a, a title share uh, going back. I guess that was 2015, maybe 16. I'm, I'm not mistaken, but you shared a title. It was Terry Sims's first year. So you're Bethune Cookman's the model of consistency. You have a breakout 2018. Uh, but it just seemed like you weren't you weren't getting utilized as much in 2019. I want to get your thoughts on the 2019 season, even though it's almost two years ago. But I want to get your thoughts <laughs> since that was your last season. 
Um, it was it was we were trying just as as a whole, we're trying new things, trying to trying to spread the ball, trying to keep teams from just game planning on me, to be honest. And it kinda like we I don't know, our offense just was shifting a little bit and sometimes we didn't have success with it, sometimes we did. But I played mostly receiver that year. I didn't really get too much of playing running back. And uh kickoff return, it was it, it was still a it was a good year, kickoff return and punt return. But offensive wise, I felt like I could have did more. Yeah, did what did you did you feel? Because obviously this is pre COVID. So you know that that's your last year. So what did you what were your feelings? I mean, did you feel like, man, I, I you know, I, I mean, I, I'm still going to get my opportunity, but, you know, I mean, I guess the, the guys know, like the NFL knows. So yeah. They know you can play. It doesn't yeah. matter. The numbers don't really uh, don't really matter. But do you feel like, well, aside from the numbers, was it a – how did you feel about after the season and you guys, even though a model of consistency, weren't able to win that MEAC title in your senior year? Uh, it was frustrating just because we, we, we set goals at the beginning of the season and just not being able to accomplish most of them. It was it was really, really hard. And then just leaving that season with that great win we had at the end, beating them when they were one of they – they basically was the top of the me at. And so it was really frustrating. But I just took I just took it with my training, and I knew that my numbers wasn't what I wanted them to be. So I knew I had to make my, my numbers when I stepped in front of someone to be way better. So that's why I just I just took it and made up for that. Jimmy Robinson, formerly of Bethune Cookman, ran a four two eight at the HBCU Combine. Joins us here on from the press box to press row, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. Okay, the season's over. It's December of two thousand nineteen. Of course, pre COVID. So now, what you're in you're in training mode, right? Like you're getting ready for. Uh, for the for the upcoming draft meeting in 2020, right? You didn't. I think your eligibility was exhausted by that time, right? Yeah, I was. I was done there. Yeah. So take us through your the training. I, I know this again pre COVID in terms of preparation for the 2020 NFL draft. Um, like I said, going out coming out of that 2019 season, um, we didn't know we was going to be facing COVID. We all thought we was going to have a, a normal pro day, and I thought. Uh, they had mentioned the HBCU Combine. I thought, hey, I got two pro days coming up. I knew I had a lot of things to make up for, and I just I just started training from January. I didn't even give myself really that time from transitioning from the, the Pro Bowl games. I, after the Pro Bowl games, I went straight into training, and I just grinded that whole time. And then came up. I think I think COVID hit around in March. March, I think I want to say. Yep. March right. Yep. School. And then came into it, and it's like. This COVID thing came up and came about. I'm like, ah, it, it's no big deal. But then it started spreading bad. It's like, well, we we're shutting this down. We're shutting this down. I'm like, this can't be for real. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't really get the opportunity I needed during the season, and now it's like everything was just leaving. But I never stopped training throughout the whole course. Um, I kept grinding the whole time, and when we had to do virtual, I did I did a virtual video, send it out. Yeah, I mean, I got a couple. I got a couple people hit me up here and there doing like little interviews. But like I said, no one really believed the numbers when they were posted from the virtual video. So that that kind of that gave me more of a, another chip on my shoulder than turning around the HBCU combine got canceled. So it's just like a whole another year without football and just straight training. But yeah. I, I managed to, I managed to stay focused and keep doing it. You you did that. It's no question about that. I mean, so. 
What was the, I mean, there had to be some disappointment. Did you ever, I mean, when you're in something, you know, you, you, all things come to an end, right? But did you think once COVID hit, like you said, okay, it's COVID, and then then the HBCU Combine is canceled last year. I mean, did you ever think that you would get to this point where you are now? Uh, to be honest, not, I, I, I had – I had doubts, but then again, I had days. Like I say, I had days. I had doubts, but then it was just some days I had to, had to tell myself, get up. I had to train. I was gonna get a shot somewhere or another. And I have, I had, a, I had my agent, Harry Lewis, and the only thing he kept telling me is, keep working out, stay ready, stay ready. We might get a call. And it was just like the same. I kept hearing the same thing over and over from my family, from my agent, just over and over. And it was just like, man, ain't nothing changing. Ain't nothing changing. I'm, ri- I'm grinding every day. I'm working every day. <laughs> I'm doing everything possible, and it's like nothing's changing. But it, 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 I had my days where I felt like it wasn't gonna come. Like, and then I had days I, had, I was like, I'm gonna get that shot. I'm gonna get that shot. And then after training for so long, I got a call. Well, I had, I think it was, I want to say one of the coaches. Who was it? Coach Joe came to me. He was like, Hey, Jimmy, we might have a um. Pro day, are you willing to do? I was like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so when he called me, I was like, of course. He, he was like, okay, I'll get your information sent over. So when he, I signed up for it, and after that, I, I went back into full mode training again. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Jimmy Robinson, formerly of Bethune-Cookman National Football League draft prospect, joins us here on the program. How did you ultimately, you're from, as I mentioned, Palm Coast, Florida. How did you ultimately end up at Bethune-Cookman? Um, my hometown is actually Hastings, Florida, but um, I moved to Palm Coast, went to high school here. Uh, I had a couple of coaches reach reach out to me when I graduated in 2015, but I decided to go to Mercer for my uh, first year of college. Went there, played it my first year. Um, I was also crying there and kick return and, and receiver. And I decided to, after my first year, I decided to come back. I had reached out to Coach Sims and everybody. I had transferred to Cookman. And that's how I ended up at Cookman. At first, I didn't. I thought it was too close, and then I was like, maybe I can make it work. Yeah, I also have a cousin there. He was there at the time, Quishon Bird. Yep. So I, me and him had talked, and he was like, yeah, man, I think we could do it again because we played in high school together. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I just transferred to Cookman in 2018, which was just a year I, I, I didn't expect to have. Yeah, boy, you, I mean, you, like I say, man, you were slash. I mean, you were running the football. All, I mean, I know that was by necessity, but you had a, you know, leading rusher, I believe, receiver, kick returner, even threw a football and punt returner as well. Jimmy Robinson, of course, a Bethune Cookman NFL draft prospect, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Jimmy, man, great to catch up with you, man. Continued success in all you do. Yes, sir. I think Jimmy Robinson is going to be one of those guys really quiet as kept is going to make some noise in the National Football League. Okay, great personality. Uh, He's quiet yet, you know, kind of funny. I mean, the story he was telling was kind of funny. I've had a, a chance to talk with him a couple of times, really quiet, but really about his business. Listen for that name. Jimmy Robinson, been a lot of really good players coming out of Bethune-Cookman. You look at Rasheen Mathis, you look at Nick Collins. More recently, Eric Weems comes to mind, signed as a matter of fact, Eric Weems as a free agent. Look out for Jimmy Robinson 
from Bethune-Cookman in the future. Up next, previewing the HBCU National Games of the Week, Prairie View A&M against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Alabama State against Alabama A&M. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 800-603-6298. 800-603-6298. 800-603-6298. That's 800-603-6298. Delaware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. KKK. Your reaction to anything that Jimmy Robinson had to say in the last segment, talking with the prospective NFL draft pick here on From the Press Box to Press Row, now formerly of Bethune-Cookman. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. You can't tell me that HBCU players can't play and don't deserve an opportunity to play in the National Football League. I mean, I guess that's small school players across the board, but in this case, specifically HBCU players. I mean, this kid runs a 4-2-8 at the HBCU Combine. So eyes are already opened, plus he had production on the field. I realize 2019 the numbers were down, but the tape doesn't lie that's the key and just so many great players there's a lot of players that don't get the opportunity perhaps that they deserve but you've got the likes of you know you've got Mac McCain you know you we had Brian Mills on the program last week the uh, cornerback for North Carolina Central so there's going to be some names hopefully I mean I, I say this in anticipation with optimism every year but somehow the National Football League draft just is just for HBCU kids really is full of disappointment, particularly the last couple of years. I mean, it was at one time, <clears throat> obviously you had players getting drafted, no question. I mean, some years and years ago, but even more recently, I mean, I think back to Titus Howard a couple of years ago, first round draft pick, even in that draft, you know, a couple of other guys got drafted. So, uh, but the thing about it, like everybody's not going to get drafted. I get it, right? But I think a lot of times in the National Football League, smaller school guys and then even more specifically HBCU guys, they know the guys can play. They'll sign them to free agent deals. They have to pay a little bit less. They have to pay them. You know, they're not going to pay them as much money. Uh, and uh, And – they ultimately make teams. See, that's the thing. Like, if you look at the roster from last year, even if you look at the roster, the opening day roster from last year, of rosters, I should say, across 
the landscape of the National Football League going back a couple of years ago, even so, I mean, you're going to look at about 40% or more, almost 50%, not quite 50% if memory serves me correct, but I did do a piece, uh, uh, a column on this actually last year. I generally do a column each year as it relates to uh, HBCU players and the National Football League draft, but it's like, it's like 50% of the players, right at about 50% of the players that are on opening day rosters in the National Football League that played at HBCUs are free agents. They generally make teams. I mean, you're going to have the likes of Darius Leonard's, the Darius Leonard's of the world, the Javon Hargraves of the world. Those guys were drafted high. Titus Howard, they, they've had a lot of success, but you also have success of some guys or quite a few guys that are either late round picks or go undrafted that are able to have some success as well. So, you know, we'll see, like we'll see ultimately how things play out, but I just gave you four names right there that really have an opportunity to be drafted. And by the way, we may see more guys that get an opportunity from a, maybe a free agent route or, from a draft route. Like, I mean, there's some guys that that are off the radar, right, that are even HBCU guys that were off the radar season-wise, and anything can go. Like, we didn't have a 2020 season. If you're playing right now, obviously you're not eligible for the draft. So the last time a lot of these guys played was 2019, um, and it's just interesting. We'll ultimately see how things play out, but you've got four names right there to be on the lookout for to possibly be drafted into the National Football League. The Box to Row National Games of the Week, we have to do two because both have division implications. And let's start with Arkansas Pine Bluff and Prairie View A&M. Arkansas Pine Bluff is hosting this football game. It's much easier to to talk about Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, Arkansas Pine Bluff has played three football games. Its last football game was just two weeks ago, the win over Mississippi Valley State. You look at the way Skyler Perry is playing, the quarterback, he is playing unbelievable. The running game is solid, but he's got some guys uh, that can really, really catch the football. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about the likes of Josh Wilkes and Harry Ballard the third. He was one of my top five players uh, to watch coming into this season. We talked about Tyron Ralph. He was the Boxer Row National Player of the Week going back a couple of weeks ago. Had his had that 77-yard punt return for a touchdown against Mississippi Valley State, which proved to be the game winner. But he's also a good receiver uh, as well. And then you look at the Golden Lions and what the Golden Lions are able to do from a defense uh, defensive perspective. I like Jalen Thigpen, right, as the as a defensive back. He's got a couple of interceptions, a couple of pass breakups on the season. The Golden Lions can put a little bit of pressure on uh, the quarterbacks uh, and going to have to do that for the quarterback for Prairie View A&M as well. I mean, Xavier Mitchell's a guy that's got three sacks on the season. I mean, when I look at Arkansas Palm Bluff, I mean, Arkansas Palm Bluff, is going to be able to get to that quarterback. 11 sacks on the season in three games. And we're not talking about some slouch wins, right, for Arkansas Pond Bluff. I mean, we're talking about Pond Bluff 
beating Southern and Pine Bluff beating Grambling, who've been the class of the Southern Division or the Western Division in the SWAC. I don't know, last five or six years or so. I mean, it's basically been between – I mean, I think the last – I mean, Prairie View A&M has had a say but hadn't quite gotten there. But I think the last time you can say that a team had a say, you would have to go back to when Arkansas Pine Bluff won the SWAC championship. That was in 2012. So it's been a long time for Arkansas Pine Bluff. And I think I think this is Arkansas Pine Bluff's moment. Now, if I look at Prairie View A&M, the, this is sort of the issue with Prairie View A&M. Prairie View A&M hasn't played football in it'll be almost a month the time that this game happens on Saturday. That's a long time not to have played a game. Matter of fact, last game was March the 13th, so it's going to be in excess, as a matter of fact, of a, of a month. The victory over Grambling, one in which Prairie View A&M won 17-10. I think that's telling. Because, yes, you've practiced for that month but haven't gotten any gameplay. Meanwhile, you look at Arkansas Pine Bluffs played a couple of football games, actually didn't didn't play last week, not because of a canceled game, but because Pine Bluff had a week off. So I think that's an advantage for Pine Bluff's defense. Now, I will say this. When I look at uh, what Prairie View A&M has been able to do defensively, now, Prairie View A&M defensively, is getting it done. Purview A&M likes to put pressure on the quarterback. I mentioned the number of sacks already that Arkansas Pine Bluff has. I mean, you look at Purview A&M's got 10 sacks. Uh, you heard uh, Coach Gamble mention uh, Jason Dumas. I mean, he's getting it done. Six and a half tackles for loss and three sacks on the season. He's really getting it done for that defense. I just think that Arkansas Pine Bluff is going to be just too much for Purview A&M. Respect to the Panthers' defense, no question about it. But if you've looked at Arkansas Pine Bluff, you can see this is a really good football team all the way around offensively and defensively. More impressively, this team is putting up points on the offensive side of the football. I think that this is a, a I'm going to say, a two-touchdown win, a two-touchdown win by Arkansas Pine Bluff in this game to wrap up the Western Division. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Then we can look at the Alabama State and, of course, uh, Alabama State and Alabama A&M game. Always a great rivalry. Game's going to be in Birmingham. The Eastern Division is on the line. And, I didn't know if that's what we would have seen coming into what I thought would have been a, a, a season with all participants. I thought it would have been Alabama A&M and Alcorn State, uh, but obviously Alcorn State has opted out. And I mean, give Alabama State a lot of credit. Like Alabama State has played pretty solid football this year. I mean, you're talking about a big win against Jackson State. Uh, the Hornets got tripped up a little bit but it was a non-conference game against South Carolina State. What does it come back and do? Blow out Mississippi Valley State. Just ran Mississippi Valley State, and that was an improve. Everybody says Mississippi Valley State has improved this year and just blew Mississippi Valley State out. You look at you know Ezra Gray, the uh, running back, and what he's been able to accomplish 
uh, so far this season. I think he's had a really, really good season. You look at what he was able to do against Jackson State. I mean, he absolutely carved up uh, Jackson State. Young quarterback. That's sort of the deal here with Alabama State. He's he's played in some big games. I mean, the game against Jackson State was a big-time football game for Alabama State. And you look at what Ryan Nettles was able to do, and he had a, a he had a pretty solid game. I mean, he's he's been he's been he's been decent this year. But the thing about it, he's prone to turn the football over. He's thrown five interceptions this year. I mean, and that like that's not. I mean, it's not a good thing, but it's not like a super knock because I mean he's a young guy, right? He's, he's, he's playing for the first time. Um, so I mean, I think you know that's gonna that you, we'll see. I mean, I think Alabama A and M. Uh, you may look at the numbers and they don't look great. I mean, they had to go, they had to outscore Jackson State uh, on last week. But that's the thing. You, w- whether Alabama A&M is good or not, from a defensive standpoint, offensively, Alabama A&M is phenomenal. Alabama A&M has had Alabama State's n- number uh, the last couple of years. But not only that, I look at a Quill Glass and what he was able to do against Jackson State last week was absolutely Phenomenal in that high-scoring game. I just think that Alabama A&M is going to score a lot of points. I think Alabama State's going to score a lot of points. I ultimately think that Alabama A&M comes away with the victory. We'll take the conversation offline. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Thank you to Jimmy Robinson. Thank you to Doc Gamble for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. For more information on the show, great content, missed any of our shows, great podcasts, all of that on our website, box2row.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Politicking with the chicken, wondering if I'm a creeper. Little hood rap from 25th named Tamika coming through like I do. You know, getting my bark on. Knew she was a thug, cause when I met her, she had a scarf on. 5411, size 7 and girls. Baby face would look like she was 11 with curls. Girlfriend, remember me from way back? I'm the same kid.